Amen. All right. Uh, we're going to start in the Gospel of John, chapter 8. Uh, Y'all know I'm not a, a sermonette guy. Uh, I will endeavor to do my best to, uh, to be as concise. Uh, and yet, but my priority is to convey what God has put on my heart to convey. And that, that you might get the nugget that God has for you today. And, uh, and I would, I'm going to pray uh, for you if you join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, uh, I am mindful of the testimony given by Heather and my darling wife, Christy, and, and the, the admonition that uh, Christy shared about the still small voice that Holy Spirit speaks to us with. And the admonition is that we create an environment both around and within us that's conducive for hearing the still small voice. So, Father, I just, I pray that whatever noise exists in the minds and souls of, of those present and, and those listening, that, Father God, you help bring calm and stillness and quietness in our hearts and our minds that we might hear the still small voice of Holy Spirit speak to each of us individually what we need today. Speak to us, Lord, and we will obey. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. The message for today uh, chose for the title, Free Indeed. Free indeed. Read with me John chapter 8, verses 30 through 36. As it says, as he was saying these things, many believed in him. So what proceeds after this is directed at believers. Many believed in him. Everybody say many. Many believed in him. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. They answered him, we are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And the bottom line message of uh, it, within this message is that Christ has set us free from the bondage of sin. Set us free so that we can live life freely in him and for God. I know this is not new in this audience, but neither is communion, but communion has to be done regularly anyway as a reminder of what God has done for us. And in a world that presents so many temptations that can ensnare us, 
tempts us to make decisions that aren't decisions for God or decisions for righteousness, but decisions that appeal to the flesh, but, but can get us connected and in and, and, and bondage to things that will keep us enslaved, that will prevent us from walking in the freedom that we ought to be walking in in Christ. And so that necessitates a reminder that we have a choice. A reminder that we are not slaves to sin anymore because we are free. But there is something required of us in order to be able to walk in that freedom. It's something we have to strive for. It's something that we have to go after. There's responsibility in it for us. Have you ever been stuck inside a small space? And felt as if you couldn't get free? Anybody ever been stuck in an elevator? (laughs) A, A closet or some room that somehow you ended up locked in there. There's a a panic inducing feeling. We feel trapped. Our, our, our mind starts to play tricks. And will we ever get out of here? Will we die here? Right? You know, those are the kinds of things that happen in our minds when we feel trapped or stuck or enslaved. And in America, especially in America, we value freedom. You can't go a day or a week without hearing that word, Freedom. Land of the free, land of the brave, freedom. We don't like being stuck, feeling bound and and unable to move freely or, or, or choose our own path in life. As Americans, every 4th of July, just a little less than two weeks ago, we celebrate our nation's declaration of independence from Great Britain. A declaration that marks the time we fought and won our freedom. From the bondage of British monarchical government. Baked into the American psyche is the desire to be free from governmental bondage. That's just that's part of who we are, that's how our country started. That's just in the DNA of being American. Well, the Bible has something to say about freedom and bondage too. But it references a bondage more dangerous and more deadly than any government rule on this earth can be. That's the bondage of sin. It also references a freedom that's greater than any freedom that can be won militarily. It's a freedom that only Christ can give. It's only available through Christ. A freedom that makes you free indeed. Not not in word, but indeed. If you abide in my word. He's speaking to those who have just been described 
as believing on him. If you abide in my word, distinction between those who don't believe and those who do. If you abide in my word, if you are not content with just taking the first step of believing, but you're willing to take the next step of becoming a disciple and abiding in my word, then there is freedom for you that comes through that. A freedom that's not available to you just being content in that first step of believing. Now, I didn't say you don't have eternal salvation because by faith are we saved. By grace, through faith, you're saved. Your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. You're on your way to heaven. But in order to walk in the freedom that is available to you in Christ on this earth, you're going to have to go beyond just believing who he is. You're going to have to abide in his word, become intimately acquainted with, familiar with his word, not just an academic exercise, not just a mental exercise, but a devotion to keeping his word and walking in his word no matter what. Abiding means to live in, to dwell in, to make your home in the word of God. So when it says abide in my word, that's what it's called, live in it. Make your home in it, dwell in it. This is not something you just hear once on Sunday, uh, or, or once a Bible study, this is a daily occurrence in your life. If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. You know what that tells me? Is exactly what it says. If you will be Jesus' disciple... If that's really the desire of your heart, then you're going to have to learn and know and understand what abiding in his word means. Because you can't be his disciple without abiding in his word. And so the call for you and I as Christians is to abide in his word, to do, to care enough to study it out. What does that mean, abide in his word? Am I living in accordance with that. Am I abiding in his word? Because Jesus just made it clear here, in order to truly be his disciple, I've got to abide in his word. And I can, um, I can tell you definitions, live in, dwell in, make your home in, the word of God, more contemporary terminology, you got to prioritize the word. Like you prioritize a spouse, like you prioritize your child, like you prioritize your job and the ability it gives you to provide for your family, like you prioritize 
quality of life. I mean, the, the word of God is to not take a back seat to any of those things. As a matter of fact, it is to take precedence even over those most important of things in your life. That is the lesser, that's the level of devotion and dedication in the word necessary in order for us to truly be his disciples. And so the question is, do you want to be his disciples? Do we want it badly enough to abide in his word? And that's a question that only you can answer. But I ask the question, right, as a way of challenge because I'm letting you know that's what God has called you to. And, 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 and so it begs the question, will we respond to the call? Will we stand up and say, yes, I want to be a disciple, truly a disciple of Jesus. And yes, I'm signing up as a disciple to abide in his word. Because that's what my Lord and Savior has required of me. And he says, if you're willing to do that, If you abide in his word, not, not, I'm sorry. He didn't just say, if you're willing to do that, you can be willing to do it. But the bottom line is, as James says, whether or not you do it. If we don't, if we don't stop at the willingness, <laughs> having a will to do it, do we then choose to do it? If you abide in my word. You are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. This is, it didn't say you might. If you take care of what is yours to take care of, you choose to be his disciple. You choose to devote yourself to abiding in his word. His promise to you is that the fruit of that is that you will know the truth, not, not know about it, not on a surface level. You will know, intimately know the truth. You will be among those that when Jesus spoke parables, you'll be able to understand the real meaning of the parable instead of just the practical meaning that those that didn't really know him understood. You know, instead of just the natural surfacing meaning that anybody can get out of it, you'll get the deeper spiritual truth that it symbolizes. That comes with being a disciple and abiding in his word because you've made a choice to follow Jesus. Unwaveringly, un unswervingly, you have made a choice to follow Jesus. And that tells me that only as a disciple who abides in his word can we know the truth and the truth set us free. If you're not abiding in God's word, there's question whether or not you really know the truth.
And whatever lack of freedom you're experiencing, that's also the reason why you're not free. Maybe that's the answer that some have been looking for as you've been praying to God. Why can't I shake this? Why can't I overcome this? Why am I in bondage to this? And it doesn't seem that I could ever break free. Your word says I ought to be able to, but I'm not. I would ask you, are you a disciple and are you abiding? Because then you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. Uh, uh, let's go on here. Um, they answered, you can tell they were offended by what Jesus said. They answered him and said, look, man, we are offsprings of Abraham. We have never been enslaved to anyone. It's interesting that they're saying this because they've been subjugated by the Roman government at this time. Their own government is under the power of a secular government, and they might consider themselves free, but they're in bondage to that government. They're under the authority of the Roman government. So sometimes we could be walking in deception and not even know it. We can be proud, especially in, in America. I'm a proud American. You know, I'm free. Tell me what to do right when I'm at the DMV having to get my driver's license renewed. Right? <laughs> you know, all these laws and rules that we live under, but I'm free. Can't tell me anything. Yeah, right. You know? And so that's what they're doing. Look, man, we're, we're offspring of Abraham. We've never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? How, how can we as free people become what we already are? They don't even realize that they are in bondage to sin. You can be allowed to do whatever you want to do in whatever country you live in, and it won't change the fact that you are in bondage to sin and on your way to hell. You can be free from a worldly standpoint and in bondage where it matters the most. They're, they are walking in deception, proudly so. And Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. And we need to get our minds around the mental image of that, right? This is just, it's not just something that I struggle with. If it's a sin that I am practicing, that I'm engaging in, that's been a problem for me, then the reason it's a problem is I've been enslaved to it. And the question becomes, how do I find freedom? How do I get to the point to where I'm able to walk in the freedom that I have available to me in Christ? See, and that's where you shall know the truth, you, that, that there is a path to freedom for us. But that path requires discipleship and a devotion to abide in his word, right? Uh, when we're in bondage, when we're enslaved, you know, a slave can't set himself free. Someone or something outside of the one in bondage needs to help set the captive free. And for us, it's Jesus. 
That's why it does no good for us to keep private our sins and struggles because as long as we're doing it, we may be deceiving ourselves like, you know what, I, until I get control of this, uh, I don't want anybody knowing and possibly judging me and this or that and the other. So uh, I'm just going to work really hard privately to, to gain control of this. You know what? That is not, as my wife said, Holy Spirit. That's not Holy Spirit. There's a reason church is done in community. This walk that we've been called to can't be done in isolation. It has to be done in community. There's a reason why we are to be accountable one to another. We need each other. We need to confess our sins to one another. We need to be the accountability that comes with discipleship and the challenge to devote ourselves to the Word of God that we might know the truth that we need in order for the path to freedom to be light, lit up for us that we might walk in, walk that path to freedom. Hallelujah. Your freedom is nearer than it might feel. And it doesn't come through politics. It doesn't come through military. It doesn't come through culture wars or battles. It comes through the Lord and his word. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. So our response is to let Jesus deal with the inward man and to yield ourselves to him and let him do the work that only he can do to help bring us to the truth and give, enable us to walk in that truth and uh, in the freedom that he died and rose again to give us. Uh, my goodness, I'm paying the price for... Uh, You know what? Uh, skip with me to the book of Romans chapter 6 and I'll close in there uh, verses 16 to 19. And uh, we'll wrap up here very shortly. I just want you to know the bondage of sin Whatever bondage may still exist in our lives is not God's will for us. And it's also not indicative of any lack in the salvation of the Lord. For who the Son sets free is free indeed. The challenge for us is to work out our soul's salvation with fear and trembling. We are saved before God, but, there, but we're also still a work in progress. The construction signs are still out, right? Just like the construction signs all over the street, it's a work in progress, but construction is still going on. And there's a date that it will be completed, so we got to be patient, and they got to be patient and persistent. It won't be completed if they don't keep working, right? And so there is a sanctification work that is necessary in us we're saved, we're going to heaven. However, God doesn't want us so focused on going to heaven that we're not relevant and, 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 and able to make a difference right now in this time that he has called us to live in. 
And for us to be the light that we're supposed to be, we have to be like Jesus because we're supposed to be reflecting him. And in order for Christ to be formed in us, we're going to have to be disciples and we're going to have to be abiding in his word. Right? Which means whatever deliverance needs to happen in us, we're in order for it to happen in a lot of ways, praise God for the immediate deliverance where you just took the desire away from me upon the laying out of hands. But I'm going to tell you, nine times out of ten, that ain't how it's going to work. He says, like he said to his disciples, follow me. And in the following of him, And in the abiding in his word, there is a liberating work that is being, that is taking place inside of him. As the master surgeon does the work in us to heal, to make us whole, to deliver us not only from sin, but the influence and effects of it. Romans 6, verse 16. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. I am speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. You know, Our goal and objective is not just to be free from bondage to sin. We should go beyond that. Now free from the bondage of sin, we want to make ourselves bond servants to righteousness. Like I was once a slave to sin, I want to be a slave to righteousness. To living according to God's word and his will. So I'm exchanging one master for another, right? We're not just trying to be free because we're not trying to be the master of our own life and direction. And we got to really be careful about that as Americans because we like being in control of our situation, of our destiny, uh, uh, of our future, and so forth. And And while it can serve us well in many cases, it can do a disservice to us in our walk with the Lord because we are not to be in control of our own lives. We are to yield that to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. God owns us. Our life is not ours anymore, right? And so to the extent that we want to be in control of our lives, we have to really be intentional about surrendering that to God and letting him, who, the only, who is the only one who has the right to direct our lives. I hope you're hearing that uh, today and hearing it in the right uh, spirit. So, um, but our viewpoint, our American viewpoint, 
Some would say Western viewpoint. Uh, we think of freedom in terms of political freedom or liberation from some government or ruling body. That's how our country was formed. Uh, but our mindset should be to be whatever liberation needs to happen, it needs to be from sin and death. And we're not wanting to direct our own lives. We're wanting to make ourselves available to the one who gave us life and let him direct us as he wills. And our job is to just say, yes, Lord. And so I want to end with a, with a mental picture, uh, something. It's not my creation. I'm, I read it. So, um, and I decided to, to end with this. Uh, most of us have flown on planes before. And if you're in a long plane ride, you know, you don't want to be stuck in that seat forever. And so, you know, you're waiting for that time when the, the seatbelt lights go off and you hear the captain <laughs> say, you know, or whoever, the uh, stewardess, whatever, uh, will uh, tell you that uh, it's all right now to uh, loosen your seatbelt and move. You can now move freely about uh, the cabin. I don't always take advantage of it, but I do look forward to that time when we can take our seatbelts off and we're told you do have the freedom if you want to to move about the cabin. Now, your freedom is limited because, you know, you're, you're, you're still in the plane. You have the freedom to move about. You don't have freedom to do whatever you want to, right? But you can safely get up from your seat and walk around the plane. I think this can help remind us that freedom comes with the ability to move freely. It isn't just about declaring freedom, but living that freedom. I can tell anybody, I'm free. I'm free to do what I want. God, I'm free in Jesus. I can say that all I want to. But it's not about a declaration. It's about living in that freedom. It's not about having the right to do what you want to do. It's about being unbound so that you can live the way you were designed to live and be what God called you and created you to be. Amen? That's, I want us to change our paradigm as it, as it pertains to freedom. You know, freedom isn't doing what I want, when I want, how I want. Freedom is being free from bondage, that which is the weight and sins that are holding me back and preventing me from being all that I can be in the Lord. Uh, freedom is me being able to live as God designed me to live. And so whatever I'm, whatever I'm encumbered by, whatever I am burdened by, whatever tries to put me in a small space and keep me from walking 
in that way which glorifies God, that is a bondage that I need to be free from because I need to be free to let God use me as he wills without me getting in the way or some sin hindering the process. It isn't just about declaring freedom, but living that freedom. Our freedom in Jesus calls us to action, to live life. And that action is to live life in the fullness of Christ and for his purpose in the world. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end eternal life. For the wages of sin is death and the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Christ through his death, burial, and resurrection has made us free from the bondage of sin and free to live in his fullness. Hallelujah. And, and, and that is and should be our objective, to live free from the bondage of sin, but called to action to live a life in his fullness. And I'm believing that for you. And I'm challenging you to believe that for yourself. Capture the vision of that. Not just wanting to be free from something but to be free to act and live in the fullness of who Christ is. Because whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Amen? Please stand and pray with me. Father God, it is in the name of Jesus that we give you glory and honor and praise today, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus for becoming sin for us. Greater love hath no one than that he lay down his life for a friend. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you considered us worthy of such a great sacrifice. No one took your life, you laid it down. And you laid it down for us because we who were slaves were unable to deliver ourselves. We needed a Savior. And you, Lord Jesus, became that Savior for us. You became sin for us. That we might become the righteousness of God in you. In you representing us and the sin, representing the sin-stained us allowed yourself to be nailed to a cross and to suffer our sin debt. You who knew no sin. And I thank you that neither sin 
nor death could, could, could hold you down. Neither could keep you. You rose on the third day. Hallelujah. Proving that you're exactly who you said you are. You're the Messiah. The only begotten Son of God. The Lamb of God. The Lion of the tribe of Judah. the atonement for our sins. Thank you that you rose again. God gave you a name that is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that you are Lord to the glory of God the Father. And you offer this gift of salvation to us by grace through faith. We receive it by believing, like many of them did in John 8. They believed. Let your words to them ring true and pierce our hearts today. That initial expression of faith was just the beginning. In order to grow and become what Paul says in Romans 8, those sons of God, those mature men and women of God that the whole earth is groaning for, we're going to have to become disciples. We're going to have to become abiders in the word that that, that the sanctifying work of God can grow us and mature us into that very thing that we need to be, maturity, that we're not tossed to and fro by everything Satan in this world has to offer. So Lord, for your glory, convict us, lead us, convict us where we're not disciples, convict us that, to make the decision to become disciples. Where we're not abiding in your word, convict us and lead us into becoming abiders in your word that we might learn how to live in the fullness of Christ. That our light may shine so bright that it will draw and attract those who are in the darkness because they see you at work and what you have done in us. Lord, we thank you and we give you praise and ask the blessings upon your people over and above what they can even ask or think. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.